Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. We talk about being intentional a lot. So why are we poo-pooing our intentions now? We're not. Every goal begins with intention. To achieve a goal, the intention must give way to action. One element that can crush a good intention every time if we let it is shame. Right? Intentions. If intentions alone is all it took to reach our dreams, to make amazing, magical things happen, I mean, I'm pretty sure... I would be famous and I'd be like the top selling author of all time. We would have the most listeners over Joe Rogan (laughs) to our (laughs) podcast. I mean, that's what intentions we think intentions do for us. We come up with the idea and it happens. And I think that that's what is being sold a lot on these like get rich quick plans and, you know, live your best life ideas that you see all the time on the highlight reels of social media is that all you need to do is think it and it will be name it and claim it. But we know in the real world, that is not what happens. (laughs) I'm not famous. I have not been the top seller of my book and our podcast is not above Joe Rogan yet. (laughs) Nope. And I think about one thing I've learned in the past few years with all the coaching stuff is that action is what makes a difference. Intentions don't get us anywhere if there's no action put to it. I've shared this before, but one of the most profound little statements I've heard is that you can't think yourself into right action. You have to act yourself into right thinking. And I struggle with action. But again, I've spent years intending to do things that I never actually put action to. Right. Me too. I've got whole journals filled with ideas and dreams and aspirations and Things that I really believe I can do, but the intention alone did not make it come into reality. It didn't make it happen. And I think what we're trying to flesh out here is how do our intentions affect our goals? And I love how you said when we were talking off air is that you were saying how intentions is where we get the idea. It's just conception alone. It's just the idea. And a lot of times we get stuck right there. That's where we get stuck. And I think that's what launched the entire industry of coaching because we get stuck taking our idea from our brain and making it become reality. And that journey in between can be the hard part. And one of the things we've been talking about is how shame is often the culprit behind what is keeping us stuck. I know for me, it's like, well, I don't think I can do it or I won't follow through or I've never done it before, I'm not good enough to do it, or people are going to be disappointed in me if I fail. Those are the things that hold me back. Someone else can do it better. And it's a whisper. That little dialogue that's going on 
in your brain. I think that that's been there my whole life. And not until really just recently did I realize that it was there and it's not true. <laughs> and I can change that dialogue. I mean, I, it's so subtle sometimes. Sometimes you just don't even realize that shame's even playing a role in your stuckness, being stuck from getting from point A to point B. And you don't even realize that shame is that voice. Like that's the name of that voice telling you that you can't. Who do you think you are? You can't, you've never mm -hmm. done this. You've never, you know, whatever, say it, whatever, fill in the blank. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. It's going to be a huge failure. You're going to embarrass yourself. Oh yeah. I know that voice very well. And someone I remember hearing recently, I thought this was great and I can't remember who said it. I think it might be the author of The Soul of Shame, but I don't remember his name. But the opposite, the way to heal from shame is to be known. Mm. And it's allowing ourselves to be known in our mess. And that's a real fear. I think about mm -hmm. that. And that's the authenticity, being able to show who you really are. And it's the fear of rejection, right? That's, we, we want to be known. We have that desire to be known. But the, we come face to face with that fear of if I show my true self and they reject me, what, would that, what does that look like? What would that feel like? And so we just don't. It, it proves the point that there is something wrong with you as a person. Because I, one of the better definitions I've heard about of shame is it's about you, not about what you do. And shame is the painful feeling of being bad as a person, a sense of being seen in a diminished, devalued way, and it tells you that you are deficient, inadequate, and unworthy. Something is wrong with you. You are lacking, empty, and defective. Shame equals self-rejection. It's not a feeling, it is a perception of mindset. And that's hard to be known if that's what you think about yourself. <laughs> right, right. Brene Brown fleshes it out. Uh, the difference between guilt and shame is that guilt says, I did something bad. It was an action. And shame says, I am bad. It becomes a label that we adopt into our actual core identity of who we are. That's how powerful shame can become if we allow it, allow it to sear itself into who we are. That's going to squash any dream, any ability, yeah. any idea that you have. Some of the stuff I've read on shame, I took from the search for significance. And the chapter heading is, I am what I am. I cannot change. I am hopeless. And that mindset is definitely going to keep us stuck. If I don't think I can do better, if I don't think I can be successful in the goals or dreams that I have, if I don't think I can improve, then for me, I'm not going to try. I think it, shame has two sides. We were discussing this a little bit before we got on the recording, but for some people, I think it keeps us paralyzed in moving forward and stuck. And for other people, I think it, they get into like a performance trap of trying so hard to do everything so perfectly and so well. But the underlying motive on both sides is, is shame of trying to prove our worth one way or the other. And either we don't bother trying to prove it or we're trying too hard to prove it. But we've got that identity, that shame identity is causing us to be empty either way. 
And when we know who we are, we know that we're valued and loved for just being who God created us to be, just a human being. We're loved and valued and accepted because we're made in God's image, not because of what we do or the mistakes that we've made, either side. And I think that's, that's where we can find healing and move forward when we're Freedom. not stuck in, in the belief that we're not good enough and we never will be, so why try? Or I have to prove I'm good enough and try harder and harder and harder. Right. Because neither one of those things brings freedom. Right. It's a prison of your own making. So you have the prison of in incapable, so you take no action, or you have the prison of striving to exhaustion to prove mm -hmm. uh, that you are worthy. Uh, I looked up the definition of shame, and there's several different, you know, the Webster... Uh, definition or whatever, but I found one that is the biblical definition of shame, and it says, shame is the painful emotion that is caused by a consciousness of guilt, failure, or impropriety that often results in the paralyzing conviction or belief that one is worthless, of no value to others or to God, unacceptable, and altogether deserving deserving of disdain and rejection. Like That just went straight to the marrow. Um, because that, as harsh as that is, I can say that I've experienced that kind of shame. I've experienced that internal dialogue, that lie that we tell ourselves that we are of no value, have no worth, that God doesn't approve of us, that we're unacceptable, broken, beyond repair. And I don't think that you have to experience extreme trauma to have this going on in your head. I think that this happens a lot. In a lot of people and it's really subtle and quiet and until we name it and understand what's playing out there it's going to be hard to overcome it and identify it we'll think yeah. that it's just something that we deserve it's deeply rooted in us and it's just been there all along so the fixed mindset you were just talking about if we don't think that we can change this then we truly are stuck and it's a fixed mindset but that's not true. We don't have fixed minds. We're not trees. <laughs> we can move <laughs> about and we can change. We can change our thoughts and we can change our beliefs about that, about ourselves. And we are not hopeless ever. As long as we have a heartbeat, we are not hopeless. No. And I, one of the other books I read, What If It's Wonderful by Nicole, and I cannot say her last name, so we'll just put it in the notes, but she talks about practicing truth. As you were speaking, it made me think of how do we get out of this? And one of the ways, it's not the only way, but is to recognize those shame thoughts that we're having, name them. Because if we can't name what it is that we're struggling with, we can't heal from it. But name, like I said in the beginning, like name those, that thought of I'm not good enough, I'm a disappointment, and I'm inadequate. Those are my sort of three shame thoughts that that get triggered in me when I think I want to try something new and then I'm like I won't succeed I'm not good enough I can't do it and that's that's the one those are the ones that get me and so mm -hmm. I've got to name those and then what is the truth what are, what's really true rather than telling myself those things over and over what can I tell myself instead and she says that it's important we can I could try to think 
things against that, but it's not going to have the same effect as speaking out loud. She talks about how we can speak, we can think a lot of things at the same time. So while I'm trying to think truth, I can, my brain can also be fighting that. It's a fight. It's a battle in our brain to, to change these thoughts that are patterns from childhood. But if I speak it out loud, I can only say one thing at a time. I can't say three different things at the same exact time. <laughs> and so speaking has a different effect on our brain. And so telling yourself the truth can be really helpful. What do I want to believe instead of those things? And, and practicing that when I'm not feeling those things to help build those pathways in my brain so that when I am feeling those things, I can catch it mm-hmm. and begin to tell myself the truth because it, it's a process. It's not like I'm going to fix it today. <laughs> it takes practice time and, and a, a long process of working through it. But I think that's one of the ways to help us overcome some of these things that are keeping us stuck. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that can't necessarily be done alone. I think it, it is helpful to have people walk you through that and to help you recognize where they're coming from because we can't always figure out these things on our own. Mm-hmm. Make the connection of the root. Yeah, when you mm-hmm. started practicing that and coming against those thoughts with verbal commands of what the truth is, did you get resistance? Did you feel resistance in yourself? How did it feel to, to come against and say something opposite of, um, uh, I'm not good enough? You know, the opposite it's of that. It's super awkward. <laughs> awkward is a good word, right? It's really uncomfortable. You know, it's a weird thing to do for a while. It gets easier over time, but I think it's hard for most of us to sit there and, and tell ourselves positive things about ourselves. It, mm-hmm. It's a... For me, and I think a lot of people, it's just a, an awkward feeling. But, you know, I don't feel that way if I was talking about you. Right. You know, we talk about we can only give away what we have inside. And I want to have, if all I'm filled with is shame, that's what I'm going to give to other people. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I was, as I was studying for this episode, it's generational. And we unintentionally pass down these shame core beliefs to our children yeah, through the way that we treat them. And not, and again, that's often when we're focusing on their behavior, mm-hmm. whether we're praising them or criticizing them for it rather than who they are as a person. Yeah. Well, you had brought up the whole idea between performance-based identity and that gift-based identity. And when we're in performance-based because we have to prove our worth, that's something that I... I was experiencing and didn't recognize, I didn't realize that for most of my adult life, striving, striving to prove worth and being in a performance mindset that I had to perform. And that's not very authentic. Oftentimes it's not being authentic. I'm trying to be something that I'm not really so that I can be approved of. And that is something that I uh, was bringing into my parenting. And I had I've spoken about this in a previous episode, and I'm not going to go into it in depth here, but I have a blog post called Confessions of a Well-Intentioned Boy Mom, and it's a story about something that almost happened between my son and I, and it was all based on shame that I was experiencing and generational performance-based 
love and, um, and parenting. But thankfully, God intervened on that. And the damage that I was about to do was um, that was kiboshed. So I will put the link in our show notes to that blog post. Um, but I was just going to read the first part of it because I think that mamas everywhere can kind of relate to this just a little bit. Uh, the first part of the blog post kind of tells you the frame of mind and, and where it goes, but I'm not going to give the details. It's just, um, you know, from my perspective as a mother, I'm always motivated by love and motherly concern. It's crazy to think that I can make such horrible mistakes in parenting and do so much damage even when my motive is love. And I think that that kind of speaks to the idea that intentions alone do not get us to our goals. It's never my intention to hurt my children, <laughs> to do damage to their psyche. And it's never my intention to, to have them feel anything but love from me. But with intentions alone, in that particular moment, that event that I blogged about, my shame entered and became the driving force of how I was going to respond to the situation. And it was about to just make a hot mess. And all I could say is, but God, you know, God's good to protect us sometimes from ourselves. And in that case, he did, um, you know, but I think as parents, we can, we can feel that, that intentions alone do not get us to our goals, not in parenting, not in relationships, not in, not in the ideas and the goals that we're going to set for this year. We've got to be really quick to hear those lies that are keeping us from bringing our amazing ideas into reality. And I think we've got to be quick to claim it, name it and claim it. We know that it is shame. We have to claim it as a lie and start speaking truth. That's powerful. Awkward, but yeah. powerful. And I mean, I'm not good at it. I, I don't like it. It's easier to tell other people to do it, but I've got to do it myself too. But it works when we do it consistently. Yeah. And I don't want to believe these things that are holding me back. I've struggled with taking action. That's just a big struggle for me. I think I said that last week too. Mm -hmm. But I know that that's how we move forward. That's how we grow. That's how we get better at things. I'm never going to get better at something that I don't actually do. I can't think about it and right. make a difference in my life. You know, when I, I was in coaching business training, it's take messy action. Just do it. Don't worry about if it's perfect. Just do it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and they tell me over and over and over, you know, just show up and do something mm -hmm. and you'll get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I think a lot of times too, we get stuck on the idea of what do we do? And, you know, mm -hmm. we we're talking about how it's important to practice wanting. When we think about goals and plans for the new year, I think some of us are going to really struggle even with just that wanting, you know, what is it that we want? <clears throat> and, um, and I think even that requires action and it doesn't have to be a big want. Uh, I think it's important that we just take steps and, and, it, and we get better at it. It's a messy start. It's not going to be clean, but just think of something that you can accomplish and practice wanting it and getting it. And that's part of goal setting is practice setting a small goal and doing it. And we make bigger goals as we get better at it. And with this, what we're saying is that we're going to, we're going to practice 
taking our intentions, our big ideas, and and speaking it out loud. And then when the shame comes up, we're going to speak against that, the truth, and it's verbal. We're going to get messy and awkward. <laughs> like that's the <laughs> stuff that we have to take. The taking action part is literally what you just said. The verb here is that we're going to fight against the shame and we're going to cause those intentions to become real. I was thinking before we got on, because I think in pictures and to sear the idea into my head, what it means to deal with the intentions and shame when it comes to goal setting is intentions being the idea part of it. It's, and you put it in the terms of it's conceptual in nature. And it made me think of the word conception. And I started drawing that parallel that our goals are really like the seeds of conception. When, when we have that little idea in the womb that begins to go from one cell to two to four to eight to 16, and it begins with small incremental steps of becoming something, you know, those intentions turn into at the other end, the birthing of something new. The idea comes into our world, a real thing. Um, a real service, a real product, a real end point of something tangible. Um, and it's it's the journey in between where shame can just completely annihilate all possibility of what could be birthed. And that's that was the analogy that was coming into my head about just thinking about it in the sense of all the miracles that have to happen to bring forth life in a new baby from conception to birth is really like, the big goals of setting a goal, mm -hmm. taking it from seed of conception to birth and not letting shame enter into the squashing of the idea. You know, it's going to play a role. I think Brene Brown talks about it. Like just invite that little naysayer to the front row. <laughs> you can come to the party, but you're not going to dictate how it goes. <laughs> right. I love that. And it, and if you think about that analogy, it starts out kind of slow, you know, like even though the cells are doubling, it's, you know, one, two to four to eight, that's small numbers. And so it begins slowly, but eventually it really multiplies much faster. And I, you know, that reminds me of that curve of growth or developing something. It starts out slow and you've got to push through that messy middle in order mm -hmm. to see the results at the end. And I think about what holds me back. If I put something out there, like even this community we're talking about, that's a scary thing for us to put out there because we have to show up and, yeah. you know, I have doubts about that as much as, you know, I want to make it work, but I want to make it work for us. And I might not show up perfectly and it's not going to look good all the time. And it's, I have to put myself out there vulnerable and real and people are going to see when we mess up. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, I think that's where the fear comes in. And I, then I'm afraid of feeling that shame. Like, again, it comes back to, I'm going to be a disappointment, not good enough, inadequate. And I don't want to be those things. And so it's scary. It's easier not to do something than to take that messy action and do it and grow. And that's what I've been learning to push through these past mm -hmm. couple of years is to just be real. Because you know what? People don't want us to be perfect. Do we really like perfect people? Right. <laughs> we like real people. 
so much pressure to measure up to. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we try so hard. I remember being at a women's retreat years ago, and this is stuck in my mind. Uh, a pastor's wife was saying, she was speaking, and she said, you know, why do we try so hard to be perfect when we really don't like perfect people? Mm -mm. <laughs> you know, we want real people, authentic people. Yeah. And that's really what I want to be, but there's still that fear in being that. Of being it's hard. rejected, judged, and and we will be. You know, we will have mm -hmm. critics along the way. If you're doing anything worthwhile, you're going to have a critic in the right. it, because if you're taking a stand on anything, you're going to have opposition. If you're doing anything, you're going to have resistance. All you know, that's just how it works. And I think if we just recognize that resistance doesn't mean stop, failure or mistakes. Like we were talking about failure. What would it take to fail in this community? Not showing up. That's it. If we just don't show up, that's failure. But as long as we keep showing up, mistakes are okay. Right. I think people are going to be very graceful with that. And success is not perfection. It's learning and growing and getting better. Right. Right. Just stick with it. If mm -hmm. you keep sticking with something, something you're, you're going to experience successes along the way. It's not just one success, it's multiple successes and not just one mistake. We'll make multiple mistakes and we just keep going. I think it's helpful to have someone, you know, what, whether it's a close friend or a support group. Some, we need people to help us work through this. That's something that just came to my mind. I can't work through my shame thoughts alone because my brain... Even with all the training, you know, I can still get lost in my own thoughts. It's helpful to have an outside per perspective, whether it's you, a coach, a friend. It's important to talk through things like this with someone else that you can trust. Yeah, and you can, just as powerful as it is for you to verbalize something kind about yourself to come against those negative thoughts, the power of hearing someone else speak life over you and possibility and goodness over you, those words are powerful to hear. I think it's so important to be in community and around others that have the same ideas and the same struggles and they understand. Now we've seen it, we've talked about how you really didn't even begin healing until you were around other people that understood you and could speak to you right where you were. Yeah, that third need that we have is to not be alone. Mm -hmm. And again, to heal from shame is to be known. And when we're known and people accept us still, then we're not alone. <laughs> and it fills that need in us that, that we have. And healing can come from that. And so how do we tie this back to how it's going to affect us planning 2023 we're talking about our goals and wanting and setting up a, a a plan of action so part of our plan of action is owning that intentions have to become actions and shame has got to be managed it has got to be identified owned and managed uh, that means also taking action against it we have to be proactive against that shame voice, that shame whisper. What that makes me think of is you sent me that text yesterday 
that said, it's official, February 1st is the day we call it quits on our New Year's resolutions, according to new research. A new poll of 2,000 Americans found that it takes just 32 days for the average person to finally break their resolutions, but 68% report giving up even sooner than that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're doing this is because we don't want to fall into that 68% or even higher percent of people that quit by February 1st. I've done a lot of that in my life and I want to make this year different. And part of that is to have a group with accountability and to keep speaking my goals and, and reflecting on them each month to look back, am I moving forward in these? And when that shame, when those shame thoughts come in, finding ways to combat those, have that fight in my brain instead of losing that fight, which I've often done in the past. Yeah, we really honestly believe that the women of wild, meaning women of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity, have ideas and desires and thoughts that are worthy. They are worthy. And we want to help everyone bring those ideas and dreams and thoughts into their reality, that it becomes a real thing birthed into this world because doesn't this world need some good ideas being executed? I mean, good ideas, good character, good practices, good love, good impact. We need that. And we need to stop quitting on February 1st. (laughs) We have to keep going. We have to keep going. We have to become all the things that we are here to do. We're on mission until we have no more air left. We have something to offer. We're all valuable. We all have great ideas. I love that. And I was um, being coached last night. I've got a, a partner that we coach each other right now. And one of the things she said to me was, you have something to offer that no one else does. Mm-hmm. And we each do. We each are unique and have something to offer the world, whatever that looks like and whatever, whether it's our family, our neighbors, beyond work, wherever we're placed and the influences we have, we have something to offer the world in a unique way. And, and I believe that I'm working on believing that about myself. I do believe that more so than I used to. And I believe that about others too. Like we each have something to offer that's unique that nobody else can offer because they're not us. That's right. Scary to think about, but it's also so inspiring. Right. And I don't want to waste that. You know, I can definitely waste those opportunities. We could choose comfort and not executing those things, those uniquenesses, gifts and talents that we've been given. Or we could allow the world to be filled with those wonderful gifts and talents, which is ultimately our purpose. Mm -hmm. That just reminded me of another Brene Brown quote that I have. You can choose comfort or you can choose courage, but you can't have both. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of effort and energy, Mm -hmm. and focus, and grit, and fight. And it's a little bit scary. Yeah, (laughs) it is scary. So let's be scared together. We'll do it. We can do this. (laughs) Okay, so what are your golden takeaways or aha moments? Did you have any during this episode? I think it was really 
getting back to naming those things that are holding me back and telling myself the truth. I, you know, I go through cycles of being intentional. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. I can't just be intentional about doing it. I have to take the action and doing it. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I need to get back into again, because it's, it's one of those things where those are just things that are always going to come up for me and I can work on them for a while and then I kind of let it go and then I can work, you know, I've got to be intentional and take action about continuing that work, mm -hmm. especially when I'm doing something new because that's when they're going to come up more. So I, I like that, but um, that's just a good reminder for me to take action and practice. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I like, you know, we're talking about naming, you know, we, we can name something. And <clears throat> I think the Bible says that everything with a name has to bow down to the foot of Jesus. And I think when we, you gave me a name for the difference between um, operating in a gift based identity or operating in a performance based identity. And that really helps me hone in and identify a lot of the places and um, times that I'm still striving to prove my self-worth. And that's, that is something that really helped me just naming it. And now I feel like I can take those beliefs, those thoughts, those whispers of doubt and shame and put it in this category. And, and now I kind of know how to handle it, how to try to overcome those, those things of trying to prove my worth. And I'm mm -hmm. hoping that by just owning it and being able to work on those things is that the result of that will be the freedom to walk out my ideas and intentions more accurately and with, um, with a little bit more zeal. Like, let's take those ideas and put them into some sort of action so we can try to birth something good. Performance based is no longer my thing. I'm going to give it up in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I love that. One of the things that I've been reading about also in this book, What If It's Wonderful, she talks a lot about celebrating and our, our fear of celebration. And we often feel like we have to earn the right to celebrate something. And I want to just end with one of the quotes that if we want to exchange our shame for the courage to celebrate, and I think that means celebrate even just small wins. Like maybe I had a goal to do something in January and I, I made progress. I didn't get all the way there, but I moved forward. That's something to celebrate, not shame myself for. But we must confess, repent, and learn to walk in peace. This is not to say that our failings don't matter and shouldn't be mined for opportunities to learn and grow. It simply means that our failure does not have the final word. Amen. And with that, we'll say we'll see you next episode. Stay wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. 
To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild. <laughs>